Hey, this is Bradley Weber. I'm the pastor of Release City Church, and this is our podcast. I'm super excited that you tuned in, and I really hope today's message encourages you, gives you a sense of hope, and inspires you to pursue all that God has created you to be. Now, let's jump right in to today's message. Today, I've got three different, um, well, there are three different ideas. They're t- three different concepts, um, but they're well intertwined with each other in life, um, and it's expressed biblically. Um, the, the first concept we're going to visit today is pride. Um, so like I said, the, the, the three topics, are the, they, they're mentioned in the Old and New Testament, so it's not like you can try to say it's not for a time or place. Um, they apply to our life every single day. Um, and pride being probably one of the biggest and hardest things for us to let go of because the world teaches us to look out for ourselves, right? It teaches you to work really hard, to gain what you want, to get what you want, to grind it out, to earn money, to do all these things. And it's all about us, me, I, my wants. That builds a lot of pride. Um, so when we find spirituality, when we give our lives to Jesus, that's one of the things that's really hard for Christians to break, which is why we're considered hypocrites. Um, it's because, you know, you read the Bible, we're supposed to be like Jesus, yet we're full of this prideful, you know, thought process and me attitude, which, you know, they, they conflict with each other, and the world sees that. So, you know, that's why a lot of times Christians are considered hypocrites. Well, everyone's a hypocrite, first off. There's not a human being on earth that's not a hypocrite that holds some form of double standard, you know, do what I say, not what I do. If you've ever had a kid, you're a hypocrite, plain and simple. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> just, just calling it like I see it, you know. We've all been hypocrites in one way or another. I heard a preacher one time, he said, you can either go to hell with hypocrites or you can go to heaven with hypocrites, but you definitely don't mind going to Walmart with the hypocrites, right? <laughs> so, so back on pride. Um, pride can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. Um, there are good forms of pride. Um, Nowadays, you know, when you say the word pride, uh, most people kind of maybe a little wince a little bit because it's become a, 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 a controversial subject. Um, and I'm not delving into that today. That's that is not part of any of what I'm going to get into. Um, we're going to talk about pride in the aspect of a general concept, how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about others, um, that type of pride. Uh, so there's many kinds of pride. We experience it, um, talks about it in the Bible, both good and bad. Uh, some good forms of pride. So you can be proud of someone. Um, maybe you have a kid that did something really good in school, or they did really good in sports, or maybe they won a championship, or some form of accomplishment, right? You're proud of your child. Um, you can be proud of yourself. Maybe you worked really hard to get where you're at. Maybe you did, and uh, uh, you went above and beyond in school to go to college and get a degree, and you're super proud of the work that you've put into yourself or your career or your life. Um, You can be proud of yourself. You can be proud of others. These are things that that are self-motivating. They build self-confidence in ourselves when we're proud of ourselves. They build confidence in others. Um, If you tell your child you're proud of them, you know, that builds a confidence in themselves to do even better, right? Um, Even if you're lying, you know, just you tell them you're proud of them. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) 
you can be proud that, uh, you know, projects, um, you can be proud of something you did, right? It, it doesn't even have to be a, 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 an animate object. You can be proud of something you made. Um, you know, people, like in my industry, people build uh, hot rods. They're super proud of the engine they built. They're super proud of the power it can put out. Um, you know, that type of stuff. You can be proud of a project. Um, so these are all good forms of pride, right? Uh, they, they're they're self-building, they're building up of others, um, they're encouraging, you know, those those type of things. Um, even in 2 Corinthians 7, Paul talks on being proud of the Corinthians um, because they had been through a lot of tribulation up to that point, yet they didn't lose faith in God. They didn't let go of what they had been taught. And Paul explicitly says, you know, I am, I am super proud of you. Basically, you know, he's he's proud of them because of the confidence that they had in their faith to not allow it to, to the tribulations to deter them from keeping that faith. Um, here's the problem with good forms of pride is so we're humans. It doesn't take a whole lot for us to push it past that line. It doesn't take a lot for us to push it into a bad form of pride. Um, if I continually make projects that I'm super proud of, I may get a big head and then I believe that I'm better than anyone else that can build that same project, right? Um, maybe, you know, whatever it be. Uh, you know, you can be a football player. You can be super proud of your accomplishments to a point you believe you're better than anyone, you know? Um, you can be uh, conceited, right? You know, uh, arrogant, haughty. Um, these, are, these are, it's very easy to jump that line from I'm proud of you or I'm proud of myself to nobody likes me because of how proud I am of myself. Right? People don't want to be around people who are prideful, who are arrogant. So you can think so highly of yourself that you believe that you're better than others. Um, maybe financially or socially. Uh, you can think so highly of your child that they develop a personality where they believe they're better than anyone else. Right? So we got, you know, you, you can put so much into your child and make them believe that they do no wrong to a point where that's all they're doing is wrong in the world. They're not using the correct thought process. They're not using any form of our next word, um, which I'm not going to get into quite yet. So when you speak boastfully of your children, you know, that's a good thing. We're, we're trying to build self-confidence in our children, but we have to not cross that line and make them into an arrogant person, right? We're trying to build decent human beings who are respectful, who are kind, who are, you know, uh, you know just helpful in general to the world. Um, we're trying to build, you know, a, a great people, um, especially in a Christian community. We're trying to build great people of God. And you can't do that by just allowing your child to believe they're better than anything, right? You have to humble them, which is our next word. Oh, I said I wasn't going to do it yet, but we'll get there. So it doesn't take much for these examples of pride to become bad things in our lives. Um, it doesn't take much for our children to get to that point where they believe they're better than someone else if we constantly tell them that they're better than someone else. Uh, so it, it really doesn't take a whole lot for us to jump over that line. Well, there's another kind of pride. And first, I, I kind of want to get into um, there's, there, the definition of pride. And this is from a world sense, right? So the definition of pride. There's three different definitions. And I love how, like, it, in the world, it, pretty much every Bible, or not Bible, every dictionary that I looked up, it labels them in this way. And I find it interesting because the world is always trying to put a, a good spin on a bad thing, right? So the very first definition, a sense of one's own property, dignity, proper dignity or value, self-respect. Number two, 
pleasure or satisfaction taking in an achievement, possession, or association, right? So the first two definitions that the world gives us are positive things of pride. But rarely is pride a positive thing, worldly. So pride leads us, it leads us into many, many qualms. Um, it creates division. Uh, it, it does all kinds of things. Um, so the third definition is arrogant or disdainful conduct or treatment, haughtiness, right? So we leave the bad definition for last. Why? Because most people in the world aren't going to go through all the definitions. They're going to stop at the first one and say pride is a good thing. It says that I will build self-respect right there if I'm prideful. Right? It says that uh, I'll take satisfaction in my achievements, possessions, and, and my associations, which are socially. You know, as long as I'm prideful, I got these positive things in my bucket. The problem is that third one is the one that tears us apart, and we don't see it coming until it's too late. So with the definitions of pride there, I want to look at something else that I call religious pride. And we see this not only today, but we see it biblically. Um, so you can, you can be a proud Christian, absolutely. Um, again, there's good things in pride. I'm proud to be a Christian, but that's because biblically, the reason that I'm proud to be a Christian is biblically, I'm no better than anyone else. I am no better than any other human being that has come before me or will come after. I am no more deserving. I am no more better. I am no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good. You know, the Bible tells me this, these things. Um, I'm an undeserving sinner who truly deserves the punishment of Jesus, the, the punishment that he went through. And I'm eternally thankful that Jesus took that punishment for me and that I'm forgiven. I'm proud to say that I have been redeemed of my sinful nature through the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm proud to call Jesus my Lord and Savior. And that atonement is available for every single sinner just like me. So I'm proud to be able to share the word of God with others so that God may change their heart. Right? I'm proud of these things. Um, but again, just like any other form of pride, it's not exempt from becoming a bad thing, right? Well, how could religious pride, you know, how can me being uh, uh, proud that I'm a Christian be a bad thing, right? Happens. It's in the Bible over and over and over. Um, Jesus called them out. They were called Pharisees and scribes back then. They thought they knew everything. They were the ones that were, you know, well-versed in the, the word of God. They were the only ones that were allowed to read the scrolls to anyone. They were the only ones allowed to teach anyone in the synagogues. You weren't, you know, I wasn't just walking in a church, grabbing a mic, and preaching to anyone because I have no background, right? That did not happen then. You were a Pharisee, you were a scribe, or you did not get to talk. You got to sit down and listen because you didn't know anything. You were not well-versed in the word of God. You were not sharing the word of God. So... Religious pride is still a thing today. Um, we see it all the time. It, 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 it's become an issue where, you know, where we see it today is more in the order of operations becoming more important than the movement of the Spirit. That's where we're at. We are so focused on how a worship set should go or how a service should go or what kind of music we should do. Um, not that many of you follow me on social media, but I made a post this week about... Uh, worship music in general, right? Um, there's an argument going on right now that contemporary Christian music, which if you're not aware of what that is, it's the kind of Christian music that we sing on an every Sunday basis. Um, contemporary Christian music is not real worship. Well, well, what is real worship? What do you mean by that? You know what I'm saying? Like 300 years ago, the hymns that we were singing 50 years ago weren't real worship either because they didn't exist yet. 
right? So my post said in 1923, Albert, the guy that made I'll Fly Away, released that song, I'll Fly Away. Well, I wonder if in 1924, everyone, in, well, this isn't real worship. This isn't what we've always done. Did they want to just go back to that? So, you know what I'm saying? Like, worship is a cultural thing, plain and simple. Now, that's kind of against the biblical nature of how we view things, but culture will always influence worship. And if you don't believe that, go to Africa and see if they're singing I'll Fly Away in English, right? They're probably not because they're African, they have a different language, right? So culture always and will always and has always influenced worship music. Um, and that's just the way we are. So right now we've got rock Christian music, we've got rap Christian music, we've got what's considered like a soulful R&B Christian music, we've got regular contemporary Christian music, we've got hymns, you know, we, we've got this plethora of worship music, yet we're arguing about what true worship is. Well, the Bible says worship's a lifestyle, not a song. So you've got to move off of that subject. So back to pride. Religious pride keeps us from reaching those who we want to reach, which are the lost, right? It keeps us from being tools of God because we believe that it should go a certain way. We believe that we should sing a certain song. We believe that we should be, you know, we, we believe we have it all right. So we need our order of operations to come in. The problem is that's keeping the spirit out. We're not, we're not following the spirit of God if our order of operations is more important than the movement of his spirit. Right? So religious pride can be not only bad for the church, but it's bad for everyone because we're pushing people away from God. We're not bringing them in because we're, we're thinking a certain way that they're not. Um, and, and that's all well and fine. We're supposed to think in a way that the world doesn't think. But we're also supposed to be an inviting place where Jesus can move, where, where the Holy Spirit can touch hearts, where it can change lives. And we can't do that if we think we're right and we need God to move out of the way. So if we're asking God and the Holy Spirit to meet us where we're at instead of meeting where he is, we're not, we're not, we're not following God's way. Um, so the Bible speaks on this in Matthew 23, 1 through 5. Um, Jesus speaks to the scribes and Pharisees. Um, he, he's talking about how they say, but they do not do, right? So back then, the Pharisees would literally, you know, they, they, they were the law, basically, the law keepers anyway. Um, so we had the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments. That's what they were supposed to be following. The problem is the Pharisees and scribes decided that there were more rules that they needed, right? So they would make rules up like on Sunday, the Sabbath, or Saturday, whichever day they, they expressed it then. Um, you weren't allowed to walk more than 1,500 steps, Right? or you were, you were sinning. You know, they would make up impossible things. Um, and you know, it's, it's not biblical. It's not biblical at all. But they would make up these rules, and the reason they would make up these rules is so that they could make themselves look better than those who were, they were preaching to, those who were, they were sharing the word with. Um, you know, most people back then couldn't do anything without walking a couple hundred steps. You know what I'm saying? Like you couldn't even go out and get your eggs or get your milk or whatever. You couldn't go out and do anything with livestock, nothing like that right, because that was considered working. So they made up all these rules to where it was basically impossible to follow God the way they wanted you to, and they were outside of the word of God. So Jesus tells these people, you know, he's talking to, to everyone around. He's like, listen to these, these scribes and Pharisees. They say and they don't do, and then he goes on to say that the works that they do do is for men. They're really only doing these works so that they could boast their own image, so they could make themselves look even better than they already were, 
right? So they believed themselves to be better than every single person they were preaching to because they knew the word of God and nobody else did, and therefore they were the God, you know, they were the men of God. They were the only ones that were, that were promised by God. They were the only ones that were um, you know, blessed by God. They were the ones with all the gifts of being able to preach the word of God. So they were better than everybody. And Jesus calls them out. He says, y'all are sayers, not doers. And the only works you do are for men. They thought themselves greater because they were educated of the word of God and held a higher standing. So the Bible tells us not to think more highly of ourselves than we truly are. It says that in Romans 12. In, John, in 1 John 2.16, it references how pride pulls us away from God, um, which I'm actually going to read a little bit of that one. As soon as I pull up my app here. So 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So the reason that these things pull us away from God is that they're of the world. They're not of God, right? It says the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So it shows us that if we're living with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. So we have the lust of the flesh, which is just lust in general. We see something we like. We have the lust of, uh, lust of the eyes, which is envy. That's where like, you see something someone else has and you wish you had it. So both of those being sinful of nature. And then we have the pride of life. Well, what is the pride of life? The pride of life is where you've built a life so great that you believe you no longer need God. You, you have worked your way up into a position where you're making the money you need, you're paying your bills, you're providing for your life. You believe that you have everything you need, therefore God is not needed because you've already done it all, right? So you have the pride of life. You believe that you're better than needing God in your life. So pride is divisive, and we can see that in today, right? Um, you got people that are proud to be Republicans. You got people that are proud to be uh, Democrats. Right? And they're constantly arguing with each other because they're proud. Nobody's talking. Nobody's hearing each other. Nobody's getting anywhere. We're just proud yelling at each other. Um, same thing with race. You got people that are proud to be white, proud to be black, proud to be Asian, proud to be whatever other, you know, whatever other nationality they can be proud of. Right? But these things are divisive because we're putting labels on things that we're proud of instead of being a unity. You know, God wants us all to be one in Christ. We can't do that while we're being proud to be separate, right? So that's where we're running into the biggest problem with pride these days is, is not the LGBTQ whatever plus community, right? None of, that, none of that makes any difference in the world of the spirit, right? Because that, that's them taking whatever they want and doing their own thing. But pride cannot be established in the, in the spirit realm, right? The God says that pride leads us in the wrong direction. Pride divides us. Pride is a bad thing to God. He doesn't want us to be there. So what do we do? What do we do when we, you know, we're, we're humans. The Bible says that we will fail daily. It says we will fall short, short of the glory of God every single day. And I just said, because we're humans and we're constantly fed this me, 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 build yourself up attitude, we have become this prideful human being, right? So what do we do? Well, that's where the second word comes in, is humble. So the word humble is mentioned 124 times in the Bible. But that is about 25 times less than pride is mentioned or referenced. 
Now, I'm not, I don't mean the exact words. I'm talking references to being humble. I'm talking references to pride, right? So the reason that pride is mentioned more than being humble is because pride is a problem. Humble is a solution, right? So when we humble ourselves worldly, or not worldly, I'm sorry, outside of the world. When we humble ourselves outside of the world, um, James 4, 6 says that we receive the grace of God. Matthew 23, 12 says that we will be exalted. So not only do we receive the grace of God, but he'll also exalt us, which means he'll put us on that pedestal that we think we're already on, right? If we can drop our pride and quit thinking we're so great, he'll actually make us great. That's how that works. It's crazy. So, and it, and it mentions the same thing in 1 Peter 5, 6. It says that we will be exalted by God if we will just humble ourselves. So the first thing we even do as Christians, right, is accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You can't do that without some form of being humble. You, you can't accept Jesus Christ while you still think you're better, right? So you have to humble yourself. You have to reach a position where you believe that you're no good and that he already paid for that, right? So you have to humble yourself. You have to get past yourself to even make that first step, which is accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right? So as God's chosen people, we're actually called to clothe ourselves in humility. That's in Colossians 3.12. What does that mean, to clothe yourself in humility? Well, it's to not allow pride to be an aspect of our personality, of our life. Um, so like when I feel a prideful thing coming on, I'm supposed to recognize that through the spirit of discernment and, and turn that off, right? So um, not, where's Kim at? Oh, she's right there. Hey, how are you? So um, she has a hard time turning her face off, right? <laughs> So when things happen, you can, you can see your face. See? See? She has a hard time turning that face off. Right? <laughs> so I digress. Um, the point of that is, like, we all have these things about ourselves where we have thought processes, right? Something, you know, it happens to me all the time because I deal with the public, and I don't mean any offense to this to anybody, but um, nowadays in customer service industry, if you work in it, people are stupid, okay? So, and, and again, I don't mean that offensively, but just in general, um, people are not using common sense when it comes to uh, dealing with people. We'll just, we'll just... I'm going to leave it there. Um, today's day and age, there's a whole lot of disrespect. There's a whole lot of hatred. There's a whole lot of anger. There's a whole lot of anxiety and depression and everything. And we are, we are pushing that on to every single person we can come in contact with. Every time we can get rid of a little of our anxiety by putting it on somebody else's shoulder, we are taking that opportunity. So the Bible tells us that we are supposed to clothe ourselves in humility. We're supposed to shed that prideful nature. We're supposed to take that off. That doesn't mean you're not going to have those thoughts. That doesn't mean you're not going to have those ideas. That does not, the Bible says you fail daily. That's where you fail is in your mind, okay? It's literally where you're going to fail every single day is in your mind, right? Because somebody's going to make you mad, like Pastor B said, you're going to want to throw that bird right out the window as they cut in front of you or, you know, or whatever it be, right? right? We all have our own attitudes, our own personalities, our own experiences, our own perspectives, and they all lead to confrontation in general at this day and age. Um, and it's because we forgot how to be humble, 
We forgot how to use respect instead of pride. So when we humble ourselves, we understand our true position in relationship with God. So what is that? Well, I mean, there's two things that we follow right now, right? We live under a new covenant of Jesus Christ. He told us those two things. Well, what was the greatest? To love God with all our heart, all our mind, right? And then the second part, to love others as we love ourselves, right? So that is what God wants us to do. I mean, that is why they're called commands. That's why it's called a covenant, right? So we don't have to guess. We don't even have to question what are we supposed to do to become humble. Well, what do we do? We love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind. Well, how do we do that? We get into his word. Because, I mean, you can't love somebody you don't know, right? So you're going to get into his word so that you can learn who he is, how he is, what he wants, you know, what, what he has for your life. You know, people are like, well, what is God's will over my life? It's, it's quite simple if you'll get into his word. His will for your life is to be there for people, right, to be there for others. And that's, we'll get into that in just a minute. But the, the new covenant that we are under is to love God and to love others. So we gain the perspective of others when we humble ourselves, right? So if you're able to humble yourself, you're able to actually listen to others when they have a problem, right? You're able to not believe, you know, how many people in here have been in a conversation with somebody and you're like, man, this happened to me the other day and their response is something worse that happened to them, right? right? So they're not listening. They're literally only sitting there in their own head waiting for their chance to tell you about how their life sucked worse than your experience, right? Which is zero help to you, right? So we don't want to be that person either. We don't want to be that person that is comparing our life to theirs while they're in some form of turmoil or tribulation. We want to be there for them. We have to humble ourselves. We have to get past the idea that we are the center of this world. We are not the center of the world. We are not what everything revolves around. Not everything that happens in this life is because of me, and it's also not all happening to me. All right? So our true position and relationship with God is to love him and to love others. That's what they tell us to do. That's what we should be doing. When we truly humble ourselves, we start to gain empathy. Empathy is where we, where we actually have a perspective outside of our own, right? You can't have empathy while you think you're always right. You can't have empathy while you think what happened to you is worse than what happened to them, right? That, that's not empathy. You're not helping in any way, shape, or form. We truly gain empathy when we, when we drop our own perspective and come to the conclusion that maybe this life isn't everything we've experienced, but what we are all experiencing, right? Which is why we also have some division in this country is because we believe that my experience is more important than your experience, and I don't care what you've gone through. I have my perspective, right? My perspective is right because it's my life, and I only see through my eyes. That's not how it works. You see through your eyes. There's, there's what, probably 150 in here, 160? Probably right around there. I promise you, all 160 of us have experienced something the other one hasn't in this life. No matter, I, whatever it be. You may have experienced something similar, but none of it's the same. We all have a perspective outside of each other. We all grew up a different way, different regions, different cultures, different foods, different everything, right? That's why some of us are skinny no matter what we eat, Bryson. And that's why some of us are fat and can't eat cake yesterday without our stomach hurting, you know? But... <laughs> 
we all have different perspectives. We all have different lives. And we have to be able to humble ourselves to truly get past ourselves to have empathy for others. So humbleness, that, that is the answer, right? That, that's the solution. We have to be humble. But when we, or okay, I'm sorry, I missed a part. So when we humble ourselves, we actually respect others, but despite our differences. Um, when you're humble, you can actually have a discussion politically without it becoming an argument. Because pride isn't in the way. When pride is in the way, you can't have a discussion. You're having an argument. You're not having a debate. You're just arguing. You're not getting anywhere. You're just talking points that nobody cares about because the other person has their own talking points and neither one of you are listening. You'll never come to any conclusion other than you both don't like each other or the way you think, right? Because your pride is in the way. But if you drop the pride, all of a sudden the discussion becomes, well, what do you think? Well, why do you think that way? Okay, well, here's what I think. And then you, you, start to, you start to see these arguments mesh together and become a solution. But we can't have solutions because we're too prideful. So what is the answer? Well, that is what my whole message is actually based on, even though we're going to spend the least amount of time in the subject. Submit. If you want to be humble and you don't want to be prideful, you have to submit to God plain and simple. You have to submit your life. And I don't mean I give my life to God and then I'm going back to work and I'm going to hate everything and everybody and I'm going to keep living my life the exactly same way that I've always lived it and I'm going to only, you know, I think there was a song, what's his name, Jelly Roll, I only talk to God when I need a favor, right? You can become that Christian very easily. You can become the Christian who only talks to God when you need a favor extremely easily in the life that we live today. The world is constantly on our shoulders. The world is constantly telling us we're wrong, that, we don't, that we're, we're, we're crazy people because we believe in a creator. So you, you, can, you can go the wrong way very easily. So we have to submit. We have to submit our lives to God. Um, the Bible says that you have to die to yourself, right? Well, what does that mean? I have to die? Well, we're born again, absolutely. But what the Bible's talking about, die to yourself daily, is you have to put your own wants, your own ideas, everything you think you have going right, every idea that you think you need to do, every, all these things that you think you already have in place, you have to understand that any part of that can change at any moment because you're submitting your life to God, which means his will is going to take over all that. So if you truly submit to God, you're not worried about those things because you know that any of it can come and go in an instant, any of it. You're not even guaranteed tomorrow. So the first thing you have to do is die to yourself. We have to let go of our wants. Our wants and our ways, our habits, they guide everything we do from the moment we open our eyes to the moment we close our eyes every single day. Right? You wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is probably brush your teeth, go pee, whatever. Right? You have a habit. You get up, you do this, and step by step by step, you get ready for work, you go to work, you come home from work, you take a shower, you cook dinner, you, do, you, know, right? you got steps, you got all these habits, all these habitual things that are taking over your life. Right? So what we have to find a way to do, which is through his word and through submission, is giving over our lives to him. Our ones have to become his ones. Our ways have to become his ways. Again, that doesn't mean you're not going to fail, right? So we are commissioned to love God. We are commissioned to love people. But I can tell you right now, some people make it really hard to love them, right? 
So, <laughs> I mean, it's just it, truth in general. Some people are difficult people, right? But it doesn't mean you it doesn't mean you can just move past them. They still need love, too. They still need the perspective of that someone cares about them. Someone cares about them enough to humble themselves and listen to their problems, maybe. Or, you know, just be there for them. Sometimes it's not even a discussion. Sometimes somebody, you know, people just need to know that someone cares about them and that person's in their presence. Sometimes that's all someone needs in this life. But we have to humble ourselves to even be in the position to help, right? So how do we do it? How do we submit ourselves to God? Well, one, obviously, you've got to give your life over to God. You've got to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Um, but most of what we're going to do after we've become Christians, after we've given our life to God, the way that we're going to humble ourselves, the greatest way to humble ourselves, the greatest way that we can drop our prideful nature is through serving. Now, if you read the Bible and you see the word submit, you can almost always change that word to serve, right? So you can submit to God by serving God, right? You can submit to your spouse through serving your spouse, right? So the Bible talks about even in it uh, that slaves should submit to their masters. It wasn't necessarily that they should just do whatever they're told. What he's telling them is he, they, you as a Christian slave should be serving your master. That's all he's talking about is just a servitude. And, and I'm not going to get all into that, but nonetheless, almost every time the word, the word talks about submission to God, it's actually a reference into serving God. So if we can find a way to serve God, and I don't mean just in church. I mean serving God. Maybe, maybe you're a, a, I don't even know, a Stephen Bill. You cut trees for a living still, right? So maybe Stephen Bell knows somebody in the storm, um, a tree came down on their shed, and he has, he has the ability, he has the knowledge to do so, right? So maybe Stephen goes out and he cuts that tree off a shed for some old lady that couldn't do it or couldn't afford it, right? That's where we serve people. You know, I, I'm a mechanic, so maybe I, you know, uh, last week I had a lady come in, she couldn't afford a thermostat. Thermostat, stupid, simple repair, it was like 10 bucks. I took care of a lady. You know, she got back on the road. She was from out of town. I just helped her out. That's all it is. And it's not a boastful thing. It's just some simple little things like a, a $30 repair that gets somebody back on the road so they can get home can change their lives, right? She was no longer stranded. She didn't have to buy a rental. She didn't have to spend money on a hotel stranded 200 miles from her home, right? Those type of things. That's where we can serve people. We all have a knowledge. We all have an ability. We have a skill set. We have something in us that has been delved to us by God that is meant for someone else. That is plain and simple. That is how God has blessed each one of us to help someone else. He has put something in you. You know something. You know someone. Maybe it's just a connection you have to someone that can help the person that needs help. But that's in you. And it's in you because it's there to help someone else. So we help others. We serve God. We serve people. God, God's will for us is to help others, to carry people, to bring them to Christ, is to serve that is the only way you will ever show the love of God is through servitude. You can't show the love of God by thinking you're correct. You can't show the love of God with a prideful nature. You can't show, share the love of God by comparing your bad to someone else's when they're, when they're in turmoil. Right? You have to drop your pride. You have to humble yourself, and you do that through serving. And maybe your serving is nothing more than, like I said, being present for someone who needs it. 
You know, there's, there's people in the hospital that have nobody. Maybe you know one of them. Maybe you can do nothing more than sit there while they're in a coma. But nonetheless, you carry something, and that's Jesus Christ. You carry the Spirit of God, and that Spirit can touch souls with just your presence being there. So the word submit actually has a negative connotation when, when you look at it worldly, right? So who in here um, watches UFC or MMA? Show of hands. All right, so like half of you are lying, and half of you are sinners for watching it. So we're just going to go there, right? So... <laughs> But uh, so if, you, if you've ever had any form of MMA or wrestling or anything like that, right? So to submit is to give up, right? So that's got a negative commentation, right? You never want to give up. You never want to submit. There's guys that literally allow someone to break their arm instead of just giving up, right? They're, they're just like they could end their career because their, their pride won't allow them to submit, right? The same thing is happening to us as Christians, you understand that half of the tribulations and turmoil we go through is not the devil? It's us. It's us. We're making bad choices. We're following a worldly view that is putting us in these positions, in this tribulation, in this turmoil. We're doing it to ourselves. And the easiest thing for us to do is to quit allowing the pain to happen. Don't allow that harm to break. The easiest thing to do is just submit. Give up. And it's not that you're giving up on life. You're giving up on you thinking that you got it all right. You're giving up on thinking that you're going to make it without God. Because I promise you, you're not. You're going to make it. You're going to make it somewhere. <laughs> it ain't going to be where you won't go. I promise you that. I promise you that. So as long as, as, long as Christians, as long as we try to do things our way, we will always experience unnecessary tribulation in life. Always, plain and simple. If you give your life over to God and then you decide that your way is better, you will face tribulation. I, I promise you. And if you don't believe me, just go in the Bible and read. Every single time someone did something outside of what Jesus said to do or what God said to do, they faced unnecessary tribulation. The easiest one that comes to mind is Jonah. Right? Jonah didn't want to do what he was told. He went on a ship. The ship wrecked. He gets ate by a whale. The end result was he ended up where God exactly wanted him anyway, right? right? So it doesn't matter anyway. You can run from God. You're going to face all this unnecessary tribulation and turmoil. You're going to eventually come to his way, and you're going to eventually do exactly what he wants you to do because you've already given your life to him, and it's his way, not your way. That's just how that'll work every time. So, I, I, yeah, where am I at? Um, tribulation, Jonah, yep, yep. Okay, so. Like I said, as long as we're Christians, we can't, we can't view things our way. I think it was, uh, I don't know, three years ago or something, um, there was this big thing that came out on social media that said, not my way, but Yahweh, right? I love that because, I mean, it's just like to, to say no, no longer my thought process, but God's. That, that's all that's about, not my way, but Yahweh. And that's truly how we have to be. That's the mindset we have to have to truly submit what we have in our lives to God, right? So... In closing, we cannot continue as a people divided by everything. Because pride, pride is just getting in our way in every aspect of life. And we cannot continue, at, especially as Christian people, we can't be divided by everything because of pride. And this is a pride that we shouldn't have, especially as Christians. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would ask that you look deep and listen even deeper. 
and understand what your true position and relationship with God could be. It could be a life of glory, grace, but it's gonna take submission. You have to submit to the will of God over your life. And for those of you who do know Jesus, I'd ask you to do the same thing. Look deeper and listen even deeper. You have a spirit in you that is trying to tell you what to do. It's trying to show you the way. It is talking to you. The problem is we got too much noise. We've got too much pride and we're not listening. We can't hear it because we're in the way. So look deeper, listen even deeper. You wanna know what your, your mission in life is? You wanna know what the point of life is? Everybody always says, well, what's the meaning of life? The Bible tells us what the meaning of life is. The Bible tells us what our purpose is, to love God and to love people. And it's just that simple. The Bible even tells us if we can't love people, then we can't love God. It says that. It says if you can't love people, you cannot love God. And that's because we are his people. We are his sons and daughters, every single one of us. And that opportunity of salvation and atonement for your sins is available to every single soul on earth. And he made sure of that through giving his life, his blood. He was tortured like no man before so that you don't have to be, so that your sin won't keep a stronghold on you so that your anxiety and depression doesn't have to strangle you, so that your life doesn't have to be meaningless. He gave you an opportunity of freedom. Can you get your pride out of the way to accept it? That's my whole message today. Can you get your pride out of the way to accept the love and care of Jesus Christ enough to change your whole life from what you think you already have to the grace and glory of God, which is far and beyond anything you'll ever experience, I promise you. Far and beyond your ways and your thoughts. Things will happen in your life you can't even atone for. You can't even make sense of them, all because of submission. We have to take the opportunity to submit and learn his ways. This financial class that's coming up, it's all about learning that what we are doing isn't working because there's a better way. Right? That's what the whole class is about, is what we're doing financially isn't working. One, because we're still in a worldly mind as far as finances go. I mean, rarely do you get Christian financial advice. And then two, we, we, most, most people live in a debt that's beyond their control. Right? That, that is a national statistic. That is a, well, first world statistic. You know, pretty much every, every first world country, Europe, all of it, we all live in a debt that we can't handle. And if you don't believe that, look at the trillions of dollars our country's in debt without actual money to even back it. We live in a debted society. The whole point of this class is to show us that what we are doing is wrong and there is a better way. The whole point of your walk with God is to show you that what you're doing is wrong. It doesn't work, and there is a better way. His name is Jesus Christ. Thank you, guys. Y'all have an amazing day. Well, thanks again for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. For more content from Release City, or just to stay connected with us, be sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms at Release City Church or through our website at releasecitychurch.org. We love you, and until next time, the best is yet to come. <laughs>